Welcome to the Truth and Liberty broadcast. We believe we have a mandate to bring godly change to our nation and the world through the seven spheres or mountains of influence. To further this cause, we give away a product every week that will empower you to get involved in changing your life and changing our world. You can register for our weekly giveaway by subscribing at truthandliberty.net. You can also subscribe to our newsletter to receive weekly updates on guests, news, and much more. This is an interactive live cast, and we welcome your questions. To ask a question during the live cast, use the comment or chat features. Now get ready to dive into this week's topics with our hosts on location in Colorado, USA. Hello and welcome to the Truth and Liberty Livecast. I'm Mark Cowart sitting in for Andrew Womack tonight. And Richard, we have got a powerful guest. This is going to be powerful tonight. We have Pastor Mike McClure from California. And this, some of what we're going to be talking about tonight is just beyond the pale of how churches have been uh, handled and treated in this uh, so-called pandemic. And so you're going to want to listen in closely and remember toward the end of the broadcast and you can send your questions in and uh, we'll try to get to some of your questions. But Richard, we've got a few things to share tonight. Yeah. I think you've got some things to announce. Absolutely. And well, give away. Thank you, Pastor Mark. And uh, thanks everybody for watching tonight. It is going to be an awesome live cast. So uh, you might want to send a, a message out to your family and friends and let them know that they need to tune in here because this is going to be awesome. I'm really looking forward to this. Uh, and if you're watching on Facebook or, or uh, social media, just again, want to encourage you to jump over and watch directly on truthandliberty.net where you will not be censored and you'll have a reliable viewing experience. On our website, don't forget our resources page that we've got there. I wanted to mention Biblical Worldview Socialism, one of Andrew's latest, uh, what we call here, legacy products, where he's combined with uh, Alex McFarland and Bob McEwen and several other great uh, Christian leaders to address why is it that socialism is not biblical? And this is a powerful resource and we want to get it into your hands. So check that out on awmi.net and also uh, Andrew's latest Truth and Liberty blog, Don't Believe the Ten Spies, uh, God is Doing Great Things. You want to check that out on our resources page. I tell you, there's good news happening out there all over America, all over the world, and we need to be focused on that rather than all the negative stuff. We've also got some great events coming up. I wanted to mention the Orlando Gospel Truth Conference, February 10th through the 12th uh, in Orlando, Florida. Andrew's going to be ministering there, um, and it's going to be a great time. So check that out on the AWMI website. And then we have the Men's Advance, the annual uh, Men's Advance at Karis Bible College. Uh, Tony Dungy and James J.B. Brown are going to be ministering along with Andrew and Barry Bennett and others. And it's going to be an awesome time. Uh, it's a great time for men uh, to come together and let the Lord refresh us, renew us, renew our calling as men uh, to take a stand for Christ in our families, in our culture, and for our nation. And then uh, Karis Campus Days is right around the corner. I know we're in January, but man, it'll be here before we know it. April 6th through the 8th. And uh, I always think of, when I think of campus days, I always think of how God touched me, touched my wife, and changed our life, changed the course of our life. As he called us out here to go through Karis Bible College, I left a legal career of 20 years. And uh, I tell you, it's been the greatest journey and nothing, uh, my life has never been the same. So if God is calling you to great things, calling you to a deeper walk with him, there is no better place than Karis Bible College. So check that out on, on uh, the AWMI website. And then the David musical, 
This is one of the Robert and Elizabeth Murin musicals, Mark, that I'm sure you've seen. It is powerful. It's about David and his relationship with the Lord. And I, if you can sit through, if you know Jesus and you can sit through this thing without a tear coming to your eye, then you're a, I don't know, a tough hombre or something. But it's awesome. <laughs> it's an awesome show. And then uh, also um, wanted to mention that if you're not a subscriber to Truth and Liberty, I want to invite you to subscribe by just going on our website to the upper right-hand corner there. Click subscribe and share your email with us, and we'll begin uh, sending you all the amazing uh, uh, blogs and stuff that we put out all the time here at Truth and Liberty. And then also want to mention that uh, we can do what we're doing because of your generosity. And believe me, God's doing awesome stuff through Truth and Liberty. Uh, we're influencing this nation uh, for Christ and uh, reforming the culture. And uh, if you could, if you feel led and want to contribute, you can do that by going to the donate page and you can be a member by signing up to make a recurring automatic contribution of $5 or more per month. And when you do, we'll send you a free copy of Alex McFarland's book, The Assault on, on America, How to Defend Our Nation Before It's Too Late. And uh, it's a great book. And uh, so become a member today and be eligible to receive that. So last thing I wanted to mention, if you need prayer, you want someone to agree with you in prayer tonight, uh, just call into our 24-7 phone center, uh, 719-635-1111, and a trained, spirit-filled uh, prayer minister will agree with you in faith, uh, and uh, you'll be blessed. So kick it back to you, Mark. I think you're going to introduce our guest. Yes, Richard. I'm excited about our special guest, Pastor Mike McClure, Pastors Calvary Chapel in California. You know, Richard, the pastors in California have seen the worst, I think, of this whole coming against churches. And so, Pastor Mike, we want to welcome you tonight and thank you for joining us. Well, thank you, Mark and Richard, for having me. I love uh, just the name of, of your program, Truth and Liberty, because that's exactly what, uh, that's what we need today. So praise God for what you guys are doing. And, and again, thanks for having me. Well, you know, Pastor Mike, well said, because you can't have one without the other. If truth is not out there, there's no liberty. And if we desire liberty, because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's, there's, uh, there's, there's liberty. And I want you to tell us and the, the listening audience, you pastor in California, and we were talking before the live cast tonight. I mean, this stuff gets beyond the pale and it gets beyond belief. The fines that they've imposed upon you out there and basically the things. But first, tell us your background. Tell us about your church. Tell us where you're at. And then we want to learn what's going on in California. Well, I grew up as, uh, as a pastor's kid, so the last thing I really wanted to do was uh, be a pastor because it uh, <laughs> it's not an easy thing. But, you know, I knew uh, when I, I'd gone to college and I got a degree in technology and I'm working here in the Silicon Valley and I was 27 years old and it was like the Lord showed up in my cube and uh, just said, what are you doing, like Elijah? So I just knew as I prayed and just waited on the Lord that I was supposed to be serving and helping my dad who was pastor and he came up from Southern California and took over a church right in the, the middle of San Jose that uh, beautiful church, beautiful building that has a history, been here a long time, but it had some financial troubles. And so he came and I always thought, I, I love Southern California. I love the beaches. I was born in Newport Beach and uh, all of our family lives down there. And I came into the heart of Silicon Valley thinking, what is wrong with this place? You know, people are uh, all over the world that have come here and technology is just uh, 
just a boom. So I watched it from Windows 95 all the way up and and I worked in companies. I, I know the ins and outs of everything that's been going on. So I've been watching and just seeing and at the same time at the church, uh, just serving the Lord, doing uh, what I was, um, God called me to do. And I, I came to help my dad. He left me uh, after a year. Uh, sent out about seven pastors in the few years just before I came on. And so I was I was basically a 27-year-old senior pastor of a church that, uh, you know, I didn't even know what to do. So had all kinds of um, as-by-fire training. And uh, then fast forward to just in the last couple of years in 2019, we finally renovated uh, our sanctuary after, I don't know, 40 years. Uh, we, in one Sunday, had 27 leaks in the sanctuary. It seats about 2,000 people. And, and it was wonderful just to finally renovate everything. We were able yeah. to just uh, to kind of fix a lot of the problems here in the church. And uh, the attendance in church in the Bay Area is uh, less than 2%. So I think it's after actually in the last year, it's gone down to like less than 1%. Uh, but it's, it's devastating, I think, uh, just to see what, what's happening as a result of the church really not being what it should be. You know, in a lot of ways, we've been lukewarm. We haven't been what we should be. And, uh, it's very transient here. Uh, Santa Clara County is the most transient place to live. But anyway, I um, I was just pastoring the church, uh, like like uh, I knew God called me to do, and I, I was doing it for Him. And every year I pray, Lord, please take me somewhere else. I have seven kids. I think there's a picture behind me. Wow. <laughs> uh, I, I the Silicon Valley with seven kids. I ask myself all the time. My dad would call us the Waltons. You know, living in the Silicon Valley, <laughs> and I. I, I just didn't know why God had me here. And then um, we, we, like I said, renovated everything, 2020 hit, and then COVID breaks out. And it was just a, a kind of a shock to all of us, but I had already known we're gonna go through the Bible in two years. God had really brought about all of this renovation. He had brought people to help. He had did all of this. I prayed and I knew God wants us here. And that's when COVID broke out, was like in February, March. Uh, and. And so the, you know, the president asked us to close everything for two weeks. And then we did that. We did the Zoom thing for a little while. And then I just came right back to the church and people showed up. They showed up. Uh, but it was Pentecost Sunday where about 1,500 pastors across the state opened up all the churches and said, you know what? It's 99.99% survival rate. This thing is not a pandemic the way they were telling us it, it is. But now people are starting to, to really, uh, we see suicide go up. We see all kinds of problems. And so we just knew we needed to open the church. And uh, when we did that, a lot of other churches needed to meet as well. And so we let them use our facility and ended up having the county then really take a lot of interest in us. They uh, sort of come down and uh, we have a large lobby and a lot of glass. And by the time they were done, you couldn't see outside. They put so many fines, eight and a half by 11 sheets of paper, about five uh, sheets per fine, and they come and print it out in their car trunk, and they tape it on all of our windows so that we couldn't, uh, we couldn't see out, out, the wind, out the door. Wow. And so we, you know, we have all, um, it kept being 5,000 for this, 5,000 for that, and over the course of 10 months, it went up to, uh, it's 2.8 million uh, because they didn't give us the 3.8 million uh, uh, and the last million in fines. They mistakenly didn't give us all those. So they had to go back down to just the 2.8. And uh, that's where it's been. We're in court. Um, I've been in and out of court uh, about three full days with a judge. I've taken a witness stand and 
you know, you're looking and thinking, is this America anymore? And I asked the judge, do we have the First Amendment? You know, and uh, I, I was asked what a pastor does and why we couldn't just meet on Zoom. And so I began to give all the scriptures to talk about, you know, what, what the pastor is, who Jesus Christ is, what Jesus came to do as a shepherd and, and how he's to, to love the sheep and to tend to the sheep. And you, you can't really shepherd as a, as a, as a, you know, someone watching sheep through Zoom. You got to go get the, the sheep. If it falls down, you got to tend to it. And, and just gave, um, in fact, in court, our attorney said uh, he'd never been in court where the prosecutor didn't have one objection for over an hour. So I was just for an hour describing what a pastor does. You know, I'd ask the question who was on the Mayflower and I think they just didn't know. They didn't know, you know, they don't know the history of the country. And, and I really, you know, was living here growing up would be frustrated with people. You know, here a lot of people have their master's degree, PhD, you know, the electrical engineer. They, they just don't, you know, why don't they understand about America? Well, they don't know. They, they weren't trained here. They didn't, a lot of them didn't, they, they didn't grow up in America. And even if they did, uh, if you're, you know, under the age of, of 40, you have no idea the history of this country. They have covered it up. People don't know. And so I'm so th thankful for what you guys do. Uh, I've had David Barton here a number of times and he has all those resources. And I think that's, that's the problem is that they're hiding the truth from, from what makes America really what it is and why we're so blessed. And it's really the foundation is God. And, mm. and just giving that, that little, um, I think, insight to, to, these, uh, to this courtroom, it was, it was for them kind of like, wow, you know, I didn't think about what, what, what this country really was all about, is about worship. And, and I told them, look, when, when we were told we couldn't sing, and that's why we ended up really in court, is is because we were trying to go along with everything they asked we were trying to be you know the best citizens we could but when they said if you sing this is what they said you cannot sing you can only hum you know because you're <laughs> going to spread it and i just said to myself uh <laughs> then we're going to jail because i'm not going to stop singing i said you know if i tell people to stop singing they're going to leave and i'm going to go with them i'm not a cult leader I can't tell people not to sing. I can't tell people not to breathe. I mean, this is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. And, and so that's really why they just said, well, we're going to stick it to you. And they've been doing that ever since. And, uh, we, you know, we, we've been gracious. We shared the gospel with them. We've had two of the attorneys, I think, quit. Um, so it's, it's, been, uh, it's been good in the sense I wouldn't go back and change anything. But it, it sure is crazy. <laughs> Pastor Mike, I... I heard this, you know, really some of you pastors in California, you endured some of the worst treatment. I heard that there was really a double standard. It's like they came down on the churches, but I heard stories where restaurants and different businesses were allowed to stay open, but they, they came in so far as to tell you not to sing. You could only hum. I'm like, this is beyond the pale. Do you, were you aware of where they were showing preference maybe to businesses and you recognized that they were really after the churches? You know, just hearing the pe people in the church that had small businesses, I mean, they let uh, the Costco's and the Best Buy's and everyone else be open. And it really isn't about health. I think it's really about shutting down the small businesses and the churches. I think this is all not just political, but it's a globalist strategy leading to really what the end times talks about, you know, is a, 
a one world order. So I, I see that absolutely they're persecuting, especially the churches. You know, there's a couple churches that we were um, kind of brought to the front of the battle and they started finding us. And this other pastor in town and wonderful guy, and they just beat him up. I mean, they abused him and um, his staff, his church, and and he just couldn't take it anymore. You know, and I, I just, uh, I, I guess I grew up where I have brothers that just beat me up all the time, so I'm kind of used to it. But everyone in the church before we opened, uh, all the leadership, we prayed about it. We really sought the Lord. And if anyone had a check, if anyone that was on our board or elders or whatever, if anyone said, you know, we're not going to do it, I don't have a piece about it, we wouldn't do it. Everyone came back and said, we absolutely need to do this. This is for the sake of the people. And we had one gentleman who came into the church and uh, he had attempted suicide. Mm. And he ended up receiving Christ uh, with one of our pastors here. And uh, we found out that he actually worked for the county and he answered the suicide calls of all things. And uh, he, he was told not to answer the calls. So for a whole month, they shut down their call center and he went and got the paperwork and he became a part of our case as a witness. They had 14,000 calls in October of that year that went unanswered. So when we were in court, I was able to say, you know, why can't the county just let the church help previous mayor uh, Christian, wonderful guy, Chuck Reed. He asked us to do a lot of things. That's what the church is here for. But you won't even let us take a phone call and you're just going to let people die. You don't care about people's health. And so that's the kind of government we have. And they even said this, the leaders in our community that are in office have said the constitution doesn't apply here. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, Santa Clara is its own country, you know, and what we found is behind them is the Bill and Melinda Gates and the big tech and all that. And they really run the town, but they think they're, you know, they, they believe they run the world and they don't believe in God. You know, a lot of them, they just think, you know, God's a non-issue, they're God, you know? And so I think that was what's driving, you know, the, the, the attacks. But spiritually, um, I've just seen God do so many things. We've had 500 people baptized uh, in the last six months. Uh, we've had a number of people, they just walk into church and they start crying. And I can make people cry when they look at me or when they hear me preach. But really, it was the Holy Spirit. They said they came in and they just didn't know why they were crying. And they ended up giving their heart to the Lord. And that's the kind of work I see. It's like a real revival. And, and that's what God, I, I'm so thankful. As we were talking earlier, Mark, about, you know, uh, someone in our prayer meeting one night just said, Lord, thank you so much for COVID because it's done so much for us. <laughs> yes. And it's really it's weeded out of our hearts the things that are not to be there. You know, you look at the lukewarm church in Laodicea, and I just see God purifying the church and separating, you know, the wheat from the chaff, you know, as we say in the end time, you know, the, the, the sheep from the goats. And I just see people having to decide, am I going to be hot and on fire for the Lord, or am I going to be cold? But I just don't see any more lukewarm. I just, I think God's doing a, a great work. And, and so I wouldn't change, I wouldn't change anything other than it would be nice not to have fines and, and be, you know, in three different courts. <laughs> Pastor Mike, you brought something out very, very important because, you know, a lot of people, even Christians, they think lukewarm is okay. But when you read in Revelation chapter three, Jesus was talking to the Laodicean church and he said, you think you're rich, increased with goods and have need of nothing. But then he gave those five words, you're blind, wretched, naked, miserable, and poor. And it, they were the lukewarm church. And, you know, sometimes people think that's okay. But Jesus said, I need you to repent or I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. 
And those are not unbelievers because you can't vomit anything out of you that hasn't been in you. The Lord was talking about the church and you said something and we have these culture impact teams at Church for All Nations and we had a, we had a email that we circulate among our leadership and the, the leader that Ken Davis, he said, wow, thank God for COVID. And what we've seen is exactly what you're talking about. You know, we wouldn't be talking tonight if this thing hadn't happened. Uh, there are pastors that have come on and now are known across the nation, like yourself, look at you here, and they fined you $2.8 million and told you not to sing. They said you could hum. Now, some people may not think of this as tyranny, but this is tyranny. It may be soft tyranny, but it is tyranny nonetheless. And I think we're seeing, Richard, the, the rise of the remnant church and the fearful church. And really, this is bringing the best out of us. But Mike, where's the church at right now? So you've been in court like recently, have you? And they've got these fines hanging. What's the current state of where the church is? We are in a uh, county court and we, we, you know, we were given a, um, some different orders to begin with. Like uh, uh, we had uh, violated a, uh, you know, we couldn't gather uh, uh, some, some quick, you know, thing that sent the county got um, and we, we went ahead and gathered, and so they gave us um, a notice, and that's when we ended up in court because we violated that. You weren't supposed to come to church, no trespassing the property, you couldn't come together. And I just thought, well, you know, the church for years has been told to get out of the public square. You know, yes. that we, don't, um, we don't need you here. And separation of church and state, which you know is not even the Constitution. It was a letter written by Thomas Jefferson right to the Baptist minister, and basically praising that the church is going to stay stronger, you know, like a fourth, not just a fourth part of the government, fourth branch, but really overarching leading. I mean, we're a nation under God. And of course, they use that to, to say, stay away, separation of church and state. And so I just said, we're not going to stop. And we did um, continue to worship and people showed up and we were, we were told we're going to get arrested. Um, people came, I told people, if you're coming to church, you may get arrested. And so people came with extra clothes in their bags, <laughs> contacts, uh, but, but they were wearing their glasses just to get, I mean, they had this full. And of course now the county realizing um, at this point, we've gone several months since we've had that initial uh, case, the judge, um, and I asked him, you know, uh, he said, why can't you just wear a mask? And I said, you know, we have a freedom of religion. We still have the first amendment here because you just, I listened to all your case studies for an hour. And I'm really doubting that we have the First Amendment. See, as a just a layperson here, as an ignorant American, I read it as it says that we have the right to, to gather, we have the right to worship, and that you cannot infringe on that. And it's written to you, not to me. And and it sounds to me like you don't believe it anymore. And he says, No, you have the First Amendment. And and, and I said, Well, if you're gonna tell us we have to wear masks, I'm gonna say that the Bible is really, that's our guiding post, more than the Constitution. The Constitution is built upon the Bible. In 2 Corinthians 3.18, it tells us that all we with unveiled faces, and you could say unmasked faces, oh. that we are to behold the glory of the Lord. We're facing, we're, we're looking to Him, and we're acknowledging Him, and it says that we're changed as we do that from glory to glory. So worship is something that's very personal, and it's to God direct. And when we worship God, He changes us. We don't stay the same. And Moses was to unveil his face because that was the way to honor God. And he'd wear the veil because, you know, it would fade. He didn't want the people to see that the glory was fading because it would literally 
rub off on him and he would leave and he would be glowing when he leave, would leave God's presence. And so if you're going to tell us we you know, have to put a mask on, I'm going to tell you that um, you know, uh, Hebrews chapter 10 says, I don't have to listen to you. Mm-hmm. Hebrews 10 says you know, that we're not, we're not to forsake the gathering together as the manner, and that word manner in Hebrews 10 is, is the word that also could be mandate or, or even law. So we're not to forsake the gathering together of the saints as the manner of some is. In these last days, we see it. How much more we need to keep gathering as we see the day approaching. And I said, Your Honor, I believe that Jesus Christ is coming. I believe he's, he, he can come tomorrow. And I, I'd rather please him than you. You know, no disrespect. But, uh, you know, that's why we stand for you when you come in here and sit down. Because that, that's, it's, it's a, acknowledging your position. So you're telling me to stop acknowledging God's position, and I'm telling you I'm not doing it. I said he, he told me he went to church, and and I said, well, if you're a church-going man, you know you got to understand uh, Peter and John were put to the same test, and what did they they say to the Sanhedrin? If it you know be good to obey God or man, you be the judge. But we're going to declare the things that that, that we've heard, that the, the things that Christ has taught them, and so. We're at the court. I don't know what's going to happen next, to be honest. I asked our, our um, attorneys, and um, they're surprised. I mean, they, they, uh, they're shocked that everyone else has been settled in the state. They've settled with John MacArthur, churches all over who had fines. They forgave all their fines, and they will not let us go. I have a friend in town who's a lawyer, and he told me over a year ago, I went to high school with him, and he said, Mike, the word on the street with all these attorneys is that they want the church gone, the school gone. We have a school um, as well on the property, and, and um, they want to take the property. They're going to do everything they can, and they, they did that. You know, they uh, went after our bank, and, and they're continuing to now trying to get, uh, uh, they filed in federal court. They want to get all of our um, attendees. They want all the names of everyone that comes to church. They want the name of everyone who's on our board, and they want to know where they live. They've even asked me the deposition where these people live. I mean, I thought, you know, did you take an oath of office? But they didn't. They're just the lawyers. You know, they don't have to follow the Constitution. But uh, it's just shocking to, to see how far they'll push. And I think they're pushing that far because people let them. They just let them. Instead of saying, I'm not going to answer and I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> it's My, crazy. Here at uh, Andrew Womack Ministries, um, we've been through a little bit of that. Not, uh, not to the extent you have, but we... Um, around the same time, in fact, we were watching what you guys were doing out there in April and May of 2020, and we did something similar. Andrew wrote a letter. We got 704 ministers in Colorado to sign off and sent it to the governor saying, with all respect, uh, the Bible says that we're to gather together for worship, and we're opening on Memorial, uh, actually Pentecost Sunday. And um, and then uh, a month and a half later or whatever, we received a letter from the state attorney general, a cease and desist letter, and we were uh, in, a, in a battle and ended up ha- having two lawsuits, one in federal court, one in state court. And then the United States Supreme Court ruled in the case of uh, Cuomo versus Brooklyn something something and held that the, the, the regimen in New York was unconstitutional. It was basically just like here in Colorado, two Democrat governors. And our governor said, okay, churches, we'll change the executive order, and you're now essential uh, services, so you're okay. But that, why is it that California has not responded in that same way? Why is it that you guys, you churches out there, are still uh, being shut down and fined and everything else? And why haven't, uh, is, hasn't that ruling from the U.S. Supreme Court had the same effect there? 
Well, because California is a large economy. It's the largest in the states, and the way California goes, goes the rest of the United Nations or the rest of the United States and, and, and the world in a lot of ways. And so, um, you know, you got Newsom. Uh, we had a lady in a prayer meeting uh, recently. She just prayed that the Lord would save Newsom and then take him home tomorrow. You know, <laughs> so I think the problem we're having here is a governor who really, he instituted gay marriage. I've been fighting this governor for 16 years. You know, he, um, he came and just broke the law. He broke Prop 22, Prop 8. He says God's law doesn't matter and man's law doesn't matter. He violated the, mm. the orders of the state. And so that's the attitude this guy has. He doesn't care about anybody. Uh, he doesn't care about God. You know, I, I'm not mad at him. He needs to get saved. In fact, that gentleman I told you about that uh, worked for the county, he had an opportunity to share the gospel with him. And he really, uh, you know, he said, I, I didn't like him at all. And I met him. And now I just feel completely sorry for the man. I might look at him and just think, what a poor soul. You know, how lost he is. He looked just like me when I was getting ready to commit suicide. And, and so we have a governor who doesn't know Christ. He doesn't care about what's right or wrong. Um, you know, he's following whoever is funding him. And uh, so I, I don't know other than, you know, what, what do you do in California? You just, you just disobey the tyranny. You have someone who doesn't re regard the Constitution. Um, and that's what's going on really all over. And so the church, you know, I watched what Newsom did in San Francisco years ago. Was it 2004? He did the gay marriage thing. And it was like, there goes the state house. Then the courthouse rolled it to him later on. And all that's left is the church house. Mm -hmm. And it's like, there's a, there's a mob outside with a big tree and they're trying to break down the doors. And, you know, we don't have anything to fear. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. And so I think God's taken us, he's willed us all the way down to the church house. And now we're going to find out what we're really made of. It's like Peter says that the judgment begins in the house of God. And so I think that's what's going on in California. God wants a pure church. He's not going to bring a revival to a dead church. Amen. He wants to put new wine and new wineskins. And yes. so there's a real purifying effect. And it's, uh, it's a wonderful thing. I mean, I, uh, I was just thinking uh, earlier, Mark's comment on lukewarmness. And that's exactly what Laodicea this last Sunday it was in Genesis chapter 22. And I was thinking about the fire that Abraham was going through as he's offering his son. I mean, literally having to offer his son and a picture, of course, God, what he's going through offering his son on the cross. And he went all the way through with it. But the fascinating thing in Revelation 3 with Laodicea that really hit me this last week isn't just the, the, the lukewarmness and what it looks like for a church to be vomited out. But it's also, to me, really fascinating if you look at that because Jesus is outside the church knocking at the door. And for the last year and a half, almost two years now, there have been many churches in our community and in our state that have closed the door and Jesus is still on the outside knocking. And like I told the judge, I said, it's not my door to close. It's God's house. I don't have the right to close the door and I refuse to close the door. And if you want to arrest me, I said, let's just cut to the chase. You're going to have to burn me at the stake or kill me. Let's just go there, okay? And that's the way it should be for every pastor. Otherwise, you're a hireling, is what Jesus said. So I think of it as you, you, you've got to stand your ground when you know this is tyrannical and satanic and it's an attack and it's a front against the church. And you don't have to go out with, you know, weapons because the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're the power of God through pulling down the strongholds. And I have just watched how God has continued to do a work. It's like he's going in front of us and he's fighting the battle. And in Laodicea, the last thing that really hit me is when Jesus said to the church that they, you know, they're poor, wretched, miserable, blind, and naked. They think they're rich and need of nothing, but he sees them completely as they are. 
and how tragic. But he tells them that you need to buy of me gold refined in the fire. And I think, what does that look like to be vomited out, to have Jesus on the outside of the church? What does it look like to have to be refined and say, okay, God, I want to buy that gold. I want to be refined in your fire. And that's what we're going through. I see people go through all the time in the church. Um, every Sunday, people say, you know, I haven't been serious about my faith in the past, or I've just become a Christian. I realize I got to start thinking about heaven and hell. I got to start thinking about, you know, what I read in the Bible as a kid. And so it's as if God is refining. And, and those that are saying, I want to buy that, they're getting this purifying effect to where they're, they're, they're pure gold is what God's going to give us in the end if we go through that process. And that's, that's the Laodicean church. I think we're living in that. And maybe Silicon Valley here is kind of the, the heart of where, you know, the real evil and the real fire is, is, is coming from. You know, Pastor Mike, it is so well said. And, you know, we're, we're friends with David Barton. You are Bill Federer. <clears throat> and history shows us that the devil, of course, hates the church. But every time he tries to destroy it, it ends up working for the good of the gospel. If we had more pastors like you, we would see an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I mean, you know, we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony, but we stop. We got to remember, we love, we're not supposed to love our lives even unto death. And we are his witnesses, which is where we get the Greek word martyr. And I'll tell you, it's bold what you said, and I commend you, and I get back onto my soapbox here. It's the Black Robe Regiment. We wouldn't have a country without the Black Robe Regiment, the pastors and the clergy of the day. And when the British got a hold of the pastors and clergy, they were treated brutally, tortured. They burned their churches. They burned their houses. And I, I see that spirit of the Lord coming out of you. It says, look, if you're going to stop me, you're going to have to kill me or burn me at the stake because they are after the church. And a lot of what we talk, in fact, we were talking before we went live that some of what you say or some of what we've all said sounds like conspiracy and I shared this in church a while back, I had heard where the difference between truth and conspiracies usually about four to six months. And we've seen that. You know, we hear these things and they're like, that's outlandish. And then little time passes and there we are. Um, now this may sound like a little conspiracy theory. You mentioned this globalist thing and the Gates family and uh, you guys have been singled out from the spiritual side what do you see happening the way that they've painted you and come after you and the church there? They want to make us look like everything that they can that's wrong. You know, I think the, um, that the church is just about money, you know, that, that I'm just a prosperity or, or I would just want to get people's money. You know, they believe that, um, that people are, are just really dumb. You know, they think Christians are really dumb. And uh, I think as they interviewed and, and we went through the deposition, they found out a lot of things. We have, um, those weren't true. We have a, a wonderful gal here that worked in the White House for, for 12 years. And she worked through a couple different administrations. And uh, she came to me and uh, she said, the media finally figured it out because we had news cameras showing up. I had a Christmas, uh, the funny thing, we had a Christmas Eve, we had uh, like 3,000 people show up for a Christmas Eve. We usually have 300 people. And I was as shocked as anybody. I couldn't, where did all these people come from? The cameras are out there and they're saying everything, how bad we are. We're spreading COVID. And, uh, one of the lies is if you come to church here, that you're going to be free from COVID. 
and this is what this pastor is saying. I never said that stuff. But um, they uh, they tried tried all kinds of things they would say, and uh, and then they disappeared. They just stopped showing up. And Anna, as I said, uh, she came to me and she said the reason they uh, they're not here anymore because they figured it out. I said, what did they figure out? She said they figured out they're only helping you. They're yeah. only helping you. <laughs> and that's exactly what happened when I had a deposition six hours, which is interesting. We did our deposition. It's been like three months now, four months ago. They were supposed to do theirs like the next week. And the county has put it off. They haven't given all the paperwork. They're not, they say they don't have enough attorneys. Uh, they have like 35 or 40 attorneys. We have like two. So it's funny how, um, you know, the, they're just not following and giving up the information. We had to give everything up. But one thing they asked me is, why did you have a Christmas Eve service with all those people there? And I said, you're blaming me? I said, you guys go and call all the media and you tell them. You have your chief prosecutor tell them what we're doing and how you're going to find all these churches and you're going to take us out, but we're having this service. You, you advertise for us. You send everyone to us because whether they're Christians, they want to go to church. And then you blame me. You're the one who actually brought everyone. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, oh, I, I'd like to hear more. You're there in the heart of Silicon Valley. I'd like to hear a little bit more about your perspective on this because um, you're, you said that if I understood you right, and I'm not sure if it was before or after we started here tonight, but that you believe that there is a, um, a globalist one world order. You mentioned World Economic Forum and uh, you're pretty knowledgeable. Can you just comment, elaborate a little bit further on that? I think it's tied into the spiritual perspective on this. So I just want to give you a minute to, to kind of explain your views on that a little bit. Well, I had, um you know, just a, a little bit of, of, of information just growing. I mean, in the valley here uh, with technology, like I said, and, and just Windows 95. And, and since then, I've been involved with technology. But I think I didn't really believe that these uh, these technocrats, you know, these globalists, these guys that are really just, um, you know, like Mark Zuckerberg, you know, he was just a college dropout who had an idea, had to spy on all the girls and put a database together. And, and now, I mean, he's, he's influenced the entire world. And I think that the power that these guys have, and they know they have it, um, they influence elections. Uh, what we have seen, and I have guys in our church that work for the FBI, they work for the CIA, they're, they're federal marshals. Uh, people work for law enforcement, people work for Facebook. So I hear it all, I hear it all. Like I was saying earlier, uh, um, someone told me that, uh, uh, their friend says, what's the you know, latest conspiracy theorist have to say now? And the guy says to him, says, well, I'm all out. Do you have any new ones? Because everything I've ever uh, thought was a conspiracy is pretty much coming true. So, uh, you know, what I think is, is you have Bill Gates, who, who really has set himself up to be um, kind of like the, the leader for um, the globalists in that way of, 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 of painting a new age. You know, by 2030, the World Economic Forum says that, you know, we're not going to own anything. And we're going to rent everything and everyone's going to be happy. And the, the reality is what's going on in our country is, um, you know, you, you have the Fed, you you have, um, you know, all the shenanigans that have gone on uh, with with our, our currency, you know, that that's worth nothing. You know, it's just on faith. And it's not been backed by gold since I think, what, 71. And so you have these globalists. We don't even know who they are, you know, on, on the Fed level or these that are behind the central bank, but they're probably the ones calling the shots. From what I understand, it's a small group, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and some of these tech guys. 
um, they're, they're kind of leading the way in how to control the world. And I hear some crazy things. I mean, that they're going to manipulate the climate so that they're going to get everyone living in about seven regions. So they're going to create fear. And it's not just going to stop with the next um, pandemic that's supposed to come out. Uh, it, it, you know, they want everyone to get on not just the, the vaccine. You know, there's a whole bunch of weird things with that. We have a PhD in our church. He teaches in our school and he has his PhD in graphene. And he says with 100% certainty, graphene, graphene oxide is in these vaccines. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what's their plan? I hear all kinds of things and the conspiracy behind that. But I think it's definitely leading to, to what we see as, you know, Revelation 13, 14, getting to that point where everyone's going to have to take a mark. And uh, the credit score, you know, you, you look at like, we got to get a, a carbon tax, like Bill Gates saying. And we got to get the wealthy companies to spend all money on these vaccines. They want to bankrupt America. They want to remove America. Uh, and I think when they do that, then there's nothing that's going to stop these elites, these uh, global leaders that are, are really going to uh, bring about a, a new world order. You know, build back better just means um, basically destroy what's there so I can take it away from you. I mean, that's, every time I hear it, that's, that's what they're saying. They're saying, I want to destroy everything. And, and we're gonna we're gonna just put all of you guys in jail, uh, and, and you know you, you look at all that, and it's 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 tempting to get upset and to fight it, but uh, when when I hear you know uh, the things that are going on with the tech guys and and the, the belief they're gonna put themselves in a in a computer and uh, they're gonna live forever in a computer, and I think that uh, they really want the kids to do that. You know, I think this whole metaverse is just purely satanic. It's it's like Satan can't invent anything, so he takes God's reality and he makes a metaverse. He, he tries to pull these kids in. I just don't think there's anything that's going to stop it, short of a revival in the church, because that, that's, the, that's the whole problem today, is, is you can't solve all of the issues. You know, I listen to Tucker Carlson, uh, you know, on Fox once in a while, and he knows all the problems. He's actually good. He's about three months behind everything I've heard, or six months sometimes, uh, but but he doesn't give the solution and the solution is Christ. The solution is putting your faith in Christ. And I think you stop short of that and you, you, you're, you're, you're going to lose the country. You know, so that's where the church has to start realizing we are that voice of truth, even though there's a global uh, plan and it is to put everybody uh, on a, on a complete, the, the, it was supposed to be 2030. They moved it to 2023. So the world economic forum and those guys, they thought this is going so well. We got Australia almost locked down. You look at England opened up and then Australia forced the same day last week. Everyone's got to take the vaccination. It's just leading toward a control database. They want to take over your currency so that we don't have cash. And then they can just completely control your life. That's what they want to do. It's interesting in the, um, in the constitution, the founding fathers knew this was coming. You know, uh, I said earlier, we are having a, a meeting tonight, um, with uh, uh, all those that work at uh, Stanford or, or those in the church that are in medical uh, backgrounds and, and uh, doctors and, and nurses. And um, they, you know, you, you're not gonna be able to go to the hospital anymore unless you get the vaccine is what they're trying to do. Um, so there's a lot of people that they're not gonna do that. And so how are they gonna get healthcare? So we're trying to figure out as a church to start a clinic. And so it's almost like churches have got to start schools and they've got to start hospitals again, because that's what the church did in the beginning. All of the schools and all the hospitals have been started by the church. 
And we have to get back to doing what God has really called us to do, which is to minister to people, not just spiritually, but physically like he did, mentally, emotionally. We need to minister to who they are and we need to educate them and to make disciples. And so schools are something that, uh, you know, I think the church is called to do. But anyway, to answer your question, I think we're, we're not that far away as long as people give in. And as soon as everyone's in a database, and as soon as they take away the only amendment we have left, the only amendment we have left in this country is the Second Amendment. And they're going after that in California right now. They're going after universal health care as a bill they're trying to pass, along with, by the way, prostitution in California. They passed just not that long ago that if you're 12 years old and older, a teacher can can take you down to get the sex change to become, you know, if you're a boy to become a girl without telling the parents, without mm -hmm. telling the parents. And they passed it. And uh, someone tried to do that. And Selena's not that far from us, a, a school teacher. The mother, I love the video of that, but I think it's gonna be this, the mothers standing up in the school board meetings that are gonna save America. Cause really honestly, the, the pastors are the ones who should be doing it. I pray they do it, but we're not doing a good job. We're, we're not doing what I know God's called us to do, to be that voice of truth. Wow, Pastor Mike, some of this stuff is beyond the pale that a 12-year-old could go without a parent's consent for a sex change operation. And you know, the one silver lining in this whole thing, and I think we talked about it a little bit earlier, is that this is bringing out the best and the worst in us. Uh, you know, I was telling Richard just before we came up, a pastor friend of mine, <clears throat> the Lord had spoke some things to me in February of 2020, March 15th, I pulled up to our church parking lot and it was empty. The only people there were my staff and some of the some of the staff, media and the worship team. And I preached to an empty auditorium. That was March 15th. We started also on May 31st and what have you. And one of the things that we're seeing is that all of a sudden, this pastor friend of mine said the Lord spoke and said something's coming that will reveal the fearful church and the remnant church. And, you know, I just applaud you, Pastor Mike. You are a true black robe regiment pastor. You, and I believe as the church goes, so goes the nation. But as the pastor goes, so goes the church. In, in the midst of all this that you're going through, facing $2.8 million worth of fines and obviously a lot of harassment, what, what is the, the, the hope that you see? What is, where are you at in what God has for the church and the body of Christ? And what do you see that is coming? <laughs> I think Jesus Christ is coming. That's what I think. <laughs> um, you know, every week I, I get discouraged like anybody else. You know, it's funny, often they say pastors are, you know, they're, 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 they're the, the same. You know, they're just, uh, they're made of the same stuff. They just have a, an office that God's called them to. And and I, I go through the week. You know, we live in a place that's shut down. You know, most people, you have to wear a mask. They yell at you if you don't. And, you know, a lot of just uh, confusion. And you think, I mean, the science and so much is out there, but just people are so afraid that they just don't think straight anymore. They've been completely hypnotized. And uh, our area is like epitome of that. Meanwhile, you know, all the people we have... Uh, crime at all-time high, homelessness at all-time high, drug use at all, suicide at all-time high, and the county's going after the church instead of dealing with all these other problems. But I'll tell you what gets me through is I get to church on Sunday, and, you know, you see the people coming in, and they're just so happy. And, you know, by the time we're done through worship and just going through God's Word, 
you just see the transformation, the people that raised their hands, you know, came forward, received Christ. And, and I met someone on Sunday, they, they said to me, we were gonna move and we came here and I gave my heart to Christ today and I heard you had a school and I'm looking for someone just to love us. I'm looking for a community to where I can actually have like-minded people. And I, this is what I want. This is what I've been looking for. Otherwise I was gonna move to Texas. Like, you know, half our church has probably moved to Texas and Arizona. Mm-hmm. But I, um, I, I encouraged, uh, you know, I encourage people to really pray about what God's called them to do because there is a lot of persecution in second Timothy three, you know, in the last days, it's gonna be perilous times. We are living in perilous times now. The persecution, we're not being thrown, we're not North Korea, you know, we're not being killed for our faith, we're not in China in a concentration camp yet, but it's coming, that's what they want to do. And, and that's what America has got to wake up and say, all of this has nothing to do with COVID, it has everything to do with the Constitution being gone and every value and everything you, you've stood for being taken away. You don't think it's going to happen to you, but it is, and it's coming, and these people are serious about it. Right now, they're like caged animals because they violated, in my mind, so many rights and constitutional things. They don't want to lose because then they're going to probably have to pay the consequences. Hmm. But the church, the gates of hell again will not prevail against it. And that I see every week when the church comes together as the body of Christ. There's such a joy. There's so much strength. It's like you had a good meal. It's like you're just strengthened. You're encouraged. You just know that Christ is on the throne. You know that he's going to do a work. And if I go out there and get hit by a bus, I'm excited because I know I'm going to go to heaven. Mm. Instead of living for now, I'm really looking forward to Christ coming back. And I, and I really do believe we're seeing, you know, a lot of the signs of the times, Matthew 24, you put all those together. And it's like that woman in travail. You see it. And it should cause us to, to look up and, and to know that, that our redemption is drawing near. You know, that I, I do believe we're living in days where we're going to see Christ return and and so that's exciting. And to be appointed to this time to be serving is a privilege. And, uh, and that's what Paul says, you know, persecuted, but the Lord in, in 2 Timothy 3, telling Timothy, but the Lord delivered me out of them all. And so I don't look forward to what's coming, but I just know that God has delivered me out of so many things like he will anybody that stands up like Timothy or Paul as our examples and so many more across the country. But um I'm looking forward to God doing a great work. And I just know that if we hold on and we faint not, we're going to reap a harvest and not to grow weary. So well said. And Richard, have we got any questions? We've got some questions. Mike, we uh, want to try to get to some. Yeah, absolutely. Before I, I do that, I just wanted to ask, now they've got uh, our website up. Can we put Pastor Mike's up? And uh, Pastor, if people want to help you, is there some way that they can do that? I. It sounds to me like you have no intention of paying these fines, but but if people wanted to help you out in, in either financially or in some other way, how can they do that? Well, the best way to help me is to move here. And then you can help. <laughs> the harvest is plentiful. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I say pray, uh, pray and stand up, um, really. Um, you know, you can call our county, but if you want to send money, send it to Advocates for Faith and Freedom. If you just Google Bob Tyler, uh, and advocates for faith and freedom. They're doing a lot. Bob is um, and his team. He has a great team of lawyers that work for him. Really great group. Uh, they're not good at advertising, but they are fighting uh, not just for our case, but other churches like us, but as well as the, the fraud in the election. And, you know, Bob told me he saw it with his own eyes, the dominion. He knows not just that the election was stolen, but he knows exactly how it was stolen. And so he is filing that federally and with our state. So he's doing a good work. 
Um, and I just tell people, give money to Bob, you know, come to our church and help. The labor, I mean, uh, there's so many people that just need Christ here. And if you walk up and share with them, they, they will, they, they will, I have talked to everybody. They said, tell me more about the Bible. What does the Bible have to say? What, you know, they want to know about Christ. They want to know about uh, end times. And it's a great opportunity to share. And so um, come on out and do that. Uh, but other than uh, money, I, I have to say for Bob, uh, Tyler, and Advocates for Faith and Freedom, it's, it's prayer is the number one thing. And I can tell when people pray. So keep us in prayer. Amen. Well, Pam on Facebook asked this, Pastor. Uh, my church stopped meeting and did Facebook, Facebook church for quite some time. So are you really saying we are lukewarm Christians? <laughs> no, we have people that that uh, are on uh, Facebook and watch. We do Facebook Live. I, I, I think of lukewarm as not um, going to church or not going to church. Uh, but, you know, to me, it's it's really, are you in love with Jesus Christ? You know, is he the most important thing? Are you ready to live for him? Billy Graham said that when he got saved, he was ready to live for the Lord and, and to die for the Lord. And he just wasn't really ready to grow old in the Lord. And I think that's where a lot of people are um, when they start, but they grow old in the Lord. And then they, they forget that they're really called to, to lay down their life and, and to die. So we have a lot of people. Um, we have the longest living transplant uh, um, in the country. His name is Peter Commodore. You can pray for him. He just had a, uh, like a 50th, 60th surgery. And he's witnessed to so many doctors and nurses in Stanford. And, uh, he, you know, he can't get sick. He'll die. And so he's been watching online. So it's not whether you're watching online or not. It really comes down to are you going to live for your faith? But that's a good question. Well, how can Christians, this comes from Scott on chat, how can Christians fight back against socialism? I think get informed, you know, run for office. Honestly, it's at that point. Uh, Gary, um, there's a pastor in, in Virginia. Uh, he was also going through, Gary Henrik, going through some some trials. He had a guy named Cross who was a coach in a public school, and he wouldn't call a, a boy who they're trying to transgender, I think in sixth grade, to a girl with a pronoun, so they fired him. Anyway, long story short is he got so fed up, they prayed, and he said, you need to all run for offices. So someone in his church ran for governor. So the new governor is uh, from Gary's church in Virginia. So the best thing you can do is go, go take a political office, you know, go, go run for a county or school board or run for governor. You know, uh, I don't think you're going to win in this state because the elections, I think, are, are <laughs> I don't, I mean, they're, I can just say they're, 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 they're rigged in California, you know, unfortunately. So, um what do you know, uh, you may have news or information out there locally that we don't on a national level, but you mentioned earlier uh, Governor Newsom's recall election, and I think the, uh, the results of that, at least the margin of his victory surprised everyone. But there in, in your county, they were responsible for counting the ballots and there were some shenanigans. What do you know about that? Well, I mean, different counties have different ballots, but our ballot for our county, if you voted for Larry Elder, and, you, and they gave you Sharpies. You can't vote with a Sharpie. A Sharpie goes right through. And so I went down to our poll to hand in our ballots for my wife and I, and um, a number of our people in church were there. And someone said, they, they're giving out Sharpies. And they were. The ballot people working there were giving out Sharpies. And it even says, like, an instruction that gives you, like, a Sharpie. Don't use a Sharpie because it won't work. And if you voted for Larry Elder, it actually bleeded through the other side to say um, yes to keep Newsom. So that happened for a number of people. So that was one shenanigan. But the, the election was counted by our county. 
and I'm watching it at 8.30, and all of a sudden it goes from, from 400,000 to, to recall them to now not recall them. And, and, you know, just the things that are going on, uh, you know, behind the scenes, they pushed off the recall. Gary, uh, Gray Davis was recalled years ago, and he had, I think it was a month and a half or two months, and we had the election. He put this thing off for six, seven, eight months now, enough time to do all that he did. Because I, I just actually have to question, and I think this is every, every American right now should question, uh, our elections. We need to make sure that they're fair. We, we shouldn't just trust our government. We shouldn't, you know, uh, Reagan used to warn us not to trust the government. And somehow we were being told now to trust them. But uh, there's a lot of shenanigans in California. Pray that, uh, you know, this will all be exposed. That's what I've been praying, and it has been, and I think it will be. It's just, uh, it just seems like the Lord doesn't work as fast as we like you know he doesn't he doesn't do um everything overnight but um we do need prayer for that because it is i mean california is really the example i think new york and california that's where the strongest lockdowns and control measures are and they want to just bring it to the middle of the country and so all of you in the bible belt in florida and now virginia hey god bless you and uh pray for us uh in these um crazy states because we're like a cancer that's going to infect your state eventually if we don't stop it here. Well, Pastor Mike, I tell you, this has been the fastest hour on Truth and Liberty for a while here. I just want to commend you. Thank you for what you're doing. You know, certainly we all need to pray, and I'm trusting our viewers are going to take this on, lift you up. <clears throat> but it's men like you that are standing up and not afraid. I think fear has done more damage than this so-called pandemic. I mean, our cure rate's 99.9%, you're gonna live. But the fear has caused people to withdraw. And uh, Pastor Mike, God bless you out there in California. You guys are really, you're on the front line. Thanks for joining us tonight and uh, being with us. And just know that uh, you are in our hearts and prayers. And uh, man, I wanna thank all of our viewers tonight for tuning in. And I hope that you will share this link with others because it's men like Pastor Mike. I know that he will encourage other pastors just by the stand that he's taken. So Richard, it's been a great night tonight. Yes, it's amen. been very awesome. informative and uh, thanks for joining us and don't miss next week's broadcast and we will see you then. Join us next time for the Truth and Liberty broadcast. Find tonight's episode and related articles and links at truthandliberty.net. Truth and Liberty is viewer supported. If you'd like to help us continue our live casts, you can make a donation at truthandliberty.net. 